welcome to the second episode of I Am No Man. I'm Doris. And I'm Haley. And welcome to Queen of the Tearling Part 2. So in this episode, <laughs> in the last episode, we covered book one, which is called Queen of the Tearling um, by Erica Johansson. And today we're going to do both book two and book three um, together. So book two, mm-hmm. which we'll start with, is called Invasion of the Tearling. Uh, so I guess super quick review of our last episode. We talked about book one. We're introduced to Kelsey, a fledgling queen. <laughs> and yeah. she gets to basically her kingdom, starts ruling, a bunch of things sort of start happening, going wrong. We get hints of magic. Then some some of the themes we talked about, she struggles a little bit dealing with other male authority figures, questioning her judgment because she's a young, I think she's 19, a young female. She struggles with uh, her appearance in particular. And was there any any other main (laughs) points I'm forgetting that we talked about? Yeah, basically, I think that was pretty much the important things. And leading up to the second book, she has really aggravated the ruler of the neighboring nation, Mort Main, and the leader of this nation is now basically upset with Kelsey because they had this like shipment of people that would always go to Mort Mm -hmm. Main and Kelsey stopped it because she was like, you know, absolutely not. This will not stand. And the Red Queen is pretty upset about that, which is, we didn't talk about her much in the last episode, but the Red Queen for the first two books is kind of the main antagonist, I would say. Mm-hmm. And she is the ruler of Mort Main, the neighboring kingdom that's kind of like evil, <laughs> coded mm-hmm. as evil. And she is we don't know very much about her and how she came to be the ruler and there's a lot of rumors that she has magic and that she's a witch and that she's looked the same for years and years and we also very briefly realize that she is kind of uh she kind of has to pay tribute i guess to this figure which she calls the dark thing which is like a mysterious vampire-esque figure that sucks the blood of children question mark (laughs) sucks their souls out. yeah like sucks their souls out but also their like actual organs but yeah just sucks them dry yeah so we that's something that we learn about the red queen in the very first book so that's kind of her background but we also learn she's pretty insecure and she's also scared of kelsey she has visions of her we don't know too much about her we don't know we just know she's called the red queen we don't know her name but we know that she yep basically that she has some powers and she is angry. We also can, I think, start to assume that part of the reason that the shipments are useful to her, we know that there's very, very widespread uh, slave trade. And I think we get hints that she uses some of the trades, uh, some of the slaves to sleep with her. She uses some of them as uh, just workers. Some of them she sacrifices to the dark thing. So we get a little bit of how sort of integral the slave trade is to her yeah, starting off in the second book is basically right as after the secret shipment that was being headed by Arlen Thorne, the, what did we say he was, like tech accountant kind of guy? Yeah, he's the person who is in charge of the shipment. Spider-Man. Yeah, the (laughs) Spider-Man, but he's also like very, he seems to be kind of mixed up in everything. He's everywhere at once. He's in a lot of black market stuff. He knows yeah. a lot of bad people that can get bad stuff done. Yeah. Um, so he's escaped along with his lady, who we also didn't really mention. Uh, she wasn't too integral in the first book. Mm-hmm. And 
they have made their way back to the keep. They are preparing for the oncoming invasion, which is drawing a lot nearer in book two. So that's sort of the overarching event that's happening that everyone's preparing for. Mm -hmm. Now, in terms of Kelsey and her character and how her character changes in this book. So I will say that I think that the author portrays a pretty, she like a pretty dynamic character. I think mm-hmm. a lot of times, you know, he, she sort of starts out as like the hero of this story. I think in some versions of fantasy fiction, not all obviously, but there is sometimes a tendency for heroes to sort of remain heroes and very like inarguably good and always on the right side of things. And I think in this book, we start to see a little bit more maybe more cracks in Kelsey's way of sort of going about things and how her anger drives her and how that's sort of tied to her magic and her crystals uh so pretty early on or I feel like not that far into the second book Arlen Thorne is captured brought to them there's a lot of decisions of what to do with him he obviously needs to be sentenced to death because of treason but we're not really sure what to do with that. Um, (laughs) You know, no one really knows what the best course of action is. And she ends up basically kind of giving into a little bit of like crowd rage and mob (laughs) mentality. And basically with magic kind of, I don't even know, what does she do? Like shred him up internally. She's kind of, it's sort of this, this gory description of her fixing her mind on his, body parts his innards and sort of just digging and like this was like honestly one of those scenes that I didn't really read through because I was like kind of skimming and it just is so violent and I was kind of like I get the picture like she's yeah she's doing something to him so yeah she brutally executes him and it's not very popular with kind of the people around her because very popular with the with the general the, the crowd the crowd's like yes queen we love this because the, the idea is that Arlen has caused a lot of suffering in the town yeah, for a really long time. And lovely. like, exactly. And like a lot of people have missing family and loved mm-hmm. ones living in Mort, Maine. And so people are very angry at him, but I think the Mace and other uh, like kind of Kelsey's advisors are pretty much like you could have just executed him in a more, I guess, humane kind of way, which is like, yeah. is capital punishment ever humane? I would say no, but I think <laughs> we're yeah. going to get into that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think that they are sort of disappointed that she gave in to the will of the crowd. Um, and this is sort of this whole book is where in the first book we saw, you know, her side of magic was her whatever this sort of magic of the jewels was gave her some intuition about people showed her some visions where she for instance like saw the cages she could see things beyond where she was she the magic protected her could protect other people it sort of I think aligned very closely with how she was seen in the first book right she was seen as this sort of very protective force that was coming into the tierling to sort of have the people's best interest at heart and now as she's preparing for war invasion this violent thing that is approaching her she sort of is be and she's panicking a little bit because everyone's basically advising her that they don't have the troops they don't have the weapons to deal with this they don't have the resources to feed everybody you know feed and house everybody should people need to be displaced and i think in her sort of 
panic and anger. There's a lot of anger towards herself that she experiences as well. Mm -hmm. She starts to give in to violence a little bit throughout this book. We see her commit some violence to herself. She sort of with the same, I guess, mental trick. In Yeah, there's kind of some just like trigger warning. There's some self-harm in the second book just for yeah. anyone who who reads mm-hmm. it but yeah she is she starts being like violent towards herself yeah so. to I guess deal with sort of the mental strain that she's under with all these yeah. things mm-hmm. approaching her so in the second book we definitely see a really big shift in the magic in terms and I think it sort of reflects her internal shift in her internal feelings a little bit about how she's doing because there's a lot of self-doubt now I think that wasn't so present in the first book I don't know if you agree with that Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think the second book is a little frustrating to me because I do feel like she's experiencing a lot of judgment from, yeah, again, the mace and kind of her guard. And they're kind of like, how could you have done this? How could you have created the situation where the Red Queen is angry and is coming at, you know, the Tierling with all of her army type Mm -hmm. people? (laughs) And I think that it's kind of frustrating because they liked her decision when she stopped the shipment. So it's kind of like, well, you guys probably don't know how to deal with it either. So like, I just think it is a very difficult situation and it's not really helpful to be kind of judgy because I think they're, they don't see any way in which the tierling, in which the tierling can win this battle. So they're like, you doomed us all. You saved some lives by stopping the shipment, but basically everyone here is going to die when the army comes. Mm -hmm. And Kelsey's kind of like, have faith. Like I'm trying to figure this out. And I just think that they're honestly just very kind of like annoying and judgy. (laughs) towards her because spoiler alert she does kind of figure it out in the end right yeah Yeah. no I agree I think again in in the first book I feel like with her guards and with all of the sort of men around her which the majority of the people around her are men there Mm -hmm. are a couple serving women um one of which Andalie. Andalie? Is that how you pronounce yeah, it? Yeah I actually I was forgetting her name but yeah yeah so she's also I mean she's a strong character in that people What's funny is that people really respect Andalie and stay out of her way and trust her. And she has visions sort of Mm -hmm. like Kelsey. It's a little bit different. I think she's a seer. She sort Mm -hmm. of sees the future, has sort of prophesizes things. Um, But then Kelsey, I don't know if it's because, again, she is like her mother's daughter or she's young. uh, But when she experiences some of those same things in the first book, she was met with a lot of resistance, with a lot of sort of mistrust. They thought that she was just... I don't know, having dreams or <laughs> just a little bit out of her mind. Yeah. And then in this book, they have finally realized that she's perfectly capable of sort of seeing those things and trusting the things that she sees. But then they're, yeah, like you said, they're criticizing her for how she's using those powers now that they sort of believe them, how she's turning to brutality a little bit, even though none of them are providing her with any real solutions. They're providing yeah. like retroactive advice that's not useful (laughs) anymore they're sort of like you could have you could have at least you know waited to stop the shipment until we had come up with a better plan and it's yeah and it's like and and it's also it's this whole thing where people didn't tell her anything about the tierling or the kingdom and and so it's kind of like you should have done this differently and it's like well maybe if you had told her what was going on then she would have dealt with this a little bit differently um yeah that's a really good point because she's making all of these decisions very quickly because she's so enraged because everything is this huge surprise you know she's like finding right exactly so it's like obviously you're gonna be like very reactive in that kind of situation yeah so no, if you wanted sure. her to take more time to think about it, why not tell her 
on yep. your days long journey to the keep initially. But uh, I agree. So that's sort of there's a there's a shift in her magic there. The second shift is that she had some visions in the first book but they I don't know that they were so much visions as she sort of it was almost like she was inhabiting like a, the body of a bird it was very it was very reminiscent of like kind of Game of Thrones yeah um, yeah true yeah I think that the visions in the first book honestly seem kind of disconnected from the ones in the second and the third book I know this is my big problem loose <laughs> magic just loose magic loose anything goes magic. anything goes so at yeah. first seems like she was sort of inhabiting like birds and being yeah. able to see the land and flying over it and in this book, and this continues throughout the rest of the series, she starts having visions of the past. And this ends up being like a very huge portion of the book, honestly, is these visions. We basically start altering, alternating between Kelsey's perspective. And then she goes into these sort of trances and we get the perspective of this woman named Lily, who we find out was a woman living in sort of the rich suburban area of a very... I guess sort of dystopian yeah. version of America. I think it's supposed to be quite far in the future. Is it that far or was it like 2050? <laughs> I'm not really sure what happened, honestly. I think I get the I think that there was some sort of nuclear war. Mm, okay. Like, which is and there like, was some president woo, who made some real. giant set of rules. Yes, yes. It's very handmaid's laws. tale, honestly. It's kind of like yeah. they talk about these rules. That really restrict, you know, kind of abortion rights and like reproductive mm-hmm. rights and um, women's really, rights are very yeah, restricted. Yeah. Everyone's microchipped, I think. It's almost kind of like today. <laughs> it's wild. almost like what's happening now. Hmm. And yeah, like Lily is, we learned that she's married to this horrible guy who is just very violent, very abusive, oh, very, yeah, he's the and worst. Um, yeah, What's he. Greg I think I think his name is Greg and she uh, is secretly on birth control because it yeah again like the handmaid's tale it's a big no-no to be on birth control because Mm -hmm. you're supposed to be Lily's in like an upper class kind of situation and yeah she's supposed to be trying to have kids and her husband Mm -hmm. really wants kids but she's like I hate my husband like he grosses me out he's so like horrible I don't want to have a kid with him he I mean he rapes her on yeah he's occasions he's super rapey <laughs> yeah he's very physically abusive he he just he's the worst he's the worst he is though he's so gross like a lot of those scenes are, are just kind of disgusting to read which I guess it's written well if you feel that way yeah I actually I always I find like in the second book and then also in the third which we'll talk about I'm very and sometimes I'm more into the flashback stories mm-hmm. than like the actual present day stories because I just think it's very kind of interesting I agree the I mean the present day stories are it's a lot of politics it's a lot of planning mm-hmm. uh it's a lot of Kelsey warring with herself so so yeah so that's that's sort of the other part of the magic that's happening is we get basically time traveling visions in which the whole point of the visions are basically Kelsey starts to figure out how the tearling came to be. So how mm-hmm. how it is that there was this world which was really uh, struggling and then they found this new world type thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So maybe we can we can go through sort of what she realizes she realizes happens with Lily. Mm-hmm. Um, so with Lily, we basically what we said, she's in this upper class society. She's very trapped. We find out that she lost her sister to uh basically she was taken away because she had i don't know resistance propaganda or something that she was reading yeah lily found a flyer <laughs> and she was in, like this in one. her room yeah yeah which was like 
fight back or something yeah and she showed it to someone and then people just took her sister away yeah um when they were young she got married very young to greg who Mm -hmm. turned out to be the worst yeah and then a woman sort of one day falls injured into her backyard she cares for her finds out that this woman was involved in like a strike on some government building something like that she meets this man called uh william tier so obviously the cheerling supposedly the the sort of founder of the cheerling yeah. <laughs> and he's you know very very tall and handsome and striking and all he's those british or something oh he is british and that's like a shock yeah she's reason. like oh, i've never met someone with an english accent before because i, I think that like travel was kind of restricted mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's true i think you're right um and so that's sort of how she meets him realizes he's sort of the leader of this resistance called what do they call it the blue horizon yeah my god you have such a good memory i was like what's it called <laughs> yeah they call it the what? blue horizon <laughs> yeah no they do i didn't i didn't know until i asked myself yeah um, no that's definitely what it's called which is like yeah it sounds it's funny because they're kind of i guess like a terrorist organization technically just because they do yeah. like bomb a lot they're pretty into bombing but they're like a revolutionary kind of like group and they're called the blue horizon which to me is very like calming <laughs> so it's kind of like a. Funny it does name. sound it does sound pretty yeah either calming or it sounds like a cult like one yeah of it, yeah exactly. <laughs> which cult. it is kind of like cult-ish. it is kind of culty there's yeah something that i struggle with throughout the whole book which i think is addressed a little bit towards the end but the whole thing where William Tear, because you realize this even when you first meet him, he's very much into like kind of utopianism, like egalitarianism. Yeah. He's like, everyone should be equal. We live in this world where like there are these crazy hierarchies and it's not okay. But then mm-hmm. he is kind of like, everyone follow me and do what I say and don't question me. Pretty much. So <laughs> there's a little bit of like a disconnect happening there. And I guess he has some sort of like magnetic energy that makes everyone want to follow him. But it yeah. is a little bit like hero worship type thing going very on. much so yeah everyone pretty yeah. much is like following him yeah very blindly and exactly what you said and i think that that gets into sort of the third book where we i think a little bit of that hero worship is the the seed of of a lot of ruin for them in the future mm-hmm. uh so basically through lily's visions of lily we and and they're all from her perspective so it's it's just like chapters from her perspective she also basically becomes sort of enamored with uh, William Tear with their cause, says that she can, I feel like that's a big thing for them. They're, what do they say? They're like, we can see it. I can like see the utopia or something. Right. Kind of like they, that. they can see like the world that William Tear is. Which basically the of. world that they're imagining is like children running through fields of wheat and people. Yeah, it's like very like, that. All helping each other and very, uh, yeah, exactly. It's very like utopian. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so she becomes very attached to their cause she wants to go with them uh and at the end of her story we realize that the the event of the crossing was in fact time travel that william tear had a sapphire um remember the sapphire because kelsey also has a sapphire (laughs) but she has two and william tear just has one so at this point we're kind of like what's going on with that yeah yep yep exactly so we're kind of like when does the second one come in how do you get that one uh which is also a little bit of a sticking point for me how did how did he get this sapphire in the first place never explained no he does Uh, explain it he it came from like 
Yeah, he, it's a really dumb explanation though, which is maybe why it doesn't Did really I just stick miss in your it? brain. Oh, I guess it's it's basically like he's related to a lot of famous like people from English history. So he was like, I think he said he was related to like some like maybe Thomas Cromwell or something. He basically was like, this has been passed down in my family for generations. The sapphire. Okay. Oh, so, okay. So that's fine. That's, but we still don't, we yeah. don't get any origin story of like where the sapphire yes. itself yes. comes from. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. We don't know how it's magic or. Right. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. eventually we know that Lily gets to get on the boat with them. They time travel and the crossing is them going back in time before humanity. Is that how far back they're going? I don't even know. Or maybe just before us. I mean, I don't know. Before humanity yeah. established wherever they are um it's yeah it's not really explained it's not explained again there's lots of loose magic (laughs) yeah and because lily before she realizes how they're gonna get to the new place she's like there's nowhere to go like the whole world is completely Mm -hmm. lived on there's nowhere we can possibly go and also william tier basically sets fire to this like entire city they were all living in like when they leave so he leaves with his chosen people and basically lets loose this roaming group of men. Actual terrorists. Yeah, like really like violent people. And he's like, there's no hope. Like they're all going to like have to die, which is like really horrible. Shocking. Yeah, it's really bad. And it's kind of like, I'm not really sure how the author wants us to feel about that. If we're like, oh yeah, Yeah. that's how you got to do these things. Because um, yeah. I think there's a lot of very like, morally dicey uh situations that you're presented yeah with in this book like for instance the the execution of well obviously no one should be like again capitally punished in that way or any way but right i but think she, again, she really went hard the justification there was sort of he's done he's caused so 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 much pain to mm-hmm. so 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 many people and has absolutely no remorse about it sort of that whole thing and then we get into what William Tear did who yeah exactly what you said he also caused an enormous amount of people mm-hmm. an enormous amount of suffering because yeah he let loose these just like I, I don't even know I didn't really understand that yeah me entirely. neither it was, it was like some sort of rival group who was also against the government but they were yeah. they were a little bit more I guess like violent sort of people that they had amassed to help them help them had to fight their cause but these people were like it, it incredibly violent particularly towards women mm-hmm. uh again mention of wanting to like rape women seeing them as yeah. very, like sexual objects and wanting to just destroy everything <laughs> yeah know? yeah so that's something that's very like confusing and then william tear and his chosen people and lily's among them mm-hmm. they they leave together on this boat and they go to the new place which they only reach through time travel so they basically go back in time to before humans inhabited spaces and they leave the other world behind and that's kind of how mm-hmm. we get the end of lily's story and she also realizes that her sister has been alive this whole time and has yeah. been working for the blue horizon and um william tear also tells her that he had like a vision of her and he always knew that lily would kind of be in his life yeah um and, and yeah. we get a hint that they're you know together <laughs> right which is kind of interesting because William Tear makes her go through this whole, in order to prove herself as a member of the Blue Horizon, she basically is 
the blue horizon lets her be captured and then she's tortured but she doesn't give up information and she's like brutally tortured she's brutally for, tortured like, days yeah and then they just let that happen and then william tier later is like you passed the test but also i always knew you'd be here and it's like yeah. if you always knew it why did you why the hell did you make her go through all that i would be so yeah. upset lots of sketchy shit yeah well, that, yeah around that event but so that's throughout the entire second book that's an over you know overview of what we learn about the past um so throughout kelsey's sort of journey that's what she is learning as she's getting all those visions and again she's like witnessing all this violence that's been done against lily that she's physically feeling as she's trying to do all these Mm -hmm. things so she has a lot of anger i think and and worry coming from that and confusion about what's happening uh so she is trying to deal with all these things she looks for an outlet. I guess she's looking for different outlets too. That's where some of the self-harm mm-hmm. comes in. She also starts sleeping with one of her guards, uh, Pen. Pen. I love Pen. <laughs> also, um, yeah, I like Pen also. Also, Kelsey starts uh looking like Lily. Sorry, maybe you already said that. Oh, but she starts no, physically resembling her. And everyone is kind of like, Are you getting work done? Everyone's very suspicious. Yeah, and she's like, you- No, just like something wild is happening. What's funny is everyone's like, Are you practicing magic? And it's like it's like, is what that if she really is? what everyone's worried about? Yeah, I know. She, are it's we like, going on like a witch hunt right now? Like you've all watched her. I know. It's like, who cares cool. if she's using magic to change yeah. her appearance? I know. Um, of all the things. And she's yeah. not, it doesn't seem like she's intentionally doing it. It's sort of happening to her. And Lily's described as this very, very beautiful woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that sort of, as she's experiencing these visions, she starts to basically look like a Kelsey version of, of Lily. Lily, um, yeah as time goes on and that's sort of also something strange that's happening so she and I guess I suppose maybe there's a little bit of a theme of her appearance does change but the way that people treat her and how things are going for her don't really change yeah they they stay pretty much the same they stay pretty much the same and now she sort of has what she's always wanted which is to be beautiful or I think it's I think it's a want that she's always had that she always tries to suppress because she doesn't yeah. want vanity to like hold any place in her life. And so then she's also trying to deal with like seeing herself looking completely <laughs> different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, and I think, and there's also a little bit of hinting that her and Lily are starting to kind of bleed into each other's lives a little bit, mm-hmm. which is kind of important for the last book. So at one point when Lily is being tortured, she hears a voice inside her head and it's like Kelsey's voice. So yeah. we're getting, we're starting to understand a little bit that there's actually, they can kind of influence each other and they, mm-hmm. and they, and they also use each other for strengths when they're going through hardships, which I think is yeah. kind of a nice, a nice idea. That is a nice idea. Yeah. Because again, like this army's descending. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the, I guess that's the overview of what, there's just a lot of various political things. There's a lot of stuff going on with the church. Yeah, the evil church. But that's like a whole other thing to get into, which I think that's a problem that a lot of people have with this book is they find it to be very like anti-religious because the church is portrayed so so funny. in the book. I mean, it's just pretty rotten from the inside out the way right. that it's that it's written although i would argue that there are some i mean father tyler this yeah this priest is a very very positive character uh, yeah i think more like it's not so much or i didn't really read it as anti-religion but kind of anti anti-organized corruption. religion yeah and kind of like anti i think it, i mean specifically it seemed to resemble like the catholic church i yeah. feel like and about how the, yeah. all, all of this horrible stuff goes down mm-hmm. um and it's not really addressed yeah. yeah, I think it was sort of 
anti the the institutionalization of it and rather yeah. than than being religious <laughs> right um, and so there's there's a lot of that there's a lot of pressure uh she deals with there because she finds well i think also the main character finds she sort of looks down on religion a little bit yeah the way she was raised was very much like you know religion has no place in politics or in governing or yeah it's it's kind of interesting to me that she was raised to learn so much about i guess how a well-functioning society should run but then it's very much like you are the leader because of who your mom is right (laughs) (laughs) very like like you know antiquated and not Mm -hmm. obviously democratic so it's just kind of like an interesting juxtaposition where it seems like like carlin who raised her wouldn't be someone who would really approve of like a monarchy but i guess she does Mm -hmm. it's kind of interesting but um so i think like for in the second book there's basically just two things happening which is one the impending battle the fact that mm-hmm. the more main army is coming and then two these flashbacks where we learn about the pre-cost pro- the pre-crossing life with yeah. lily and then at the very end the red army is finally like shown up yeah and then sort of sprinkled throughout this again we have the problems with magic the queen is still consulting the dark thing the dark thing visits kelsey for the first time and tells mm-hmm. her and he's again devastatingly handsome in the way that he appears oh, he's to handsome her. yeah and he tells kelsey that he can give her information about the red queen that'll bring her down but i'm pretty sure she only sees him like that one time just once sort of says that she doesn't want anything from him he goes away she sees the fetch still thinks he's like the love of her life or something and right. <laughs> uh he says to not trust the dark thing and just not give it what it wants um so then like you said the red queen uh shows up at her door so to speak mm-hmm. and she sort of doesn't know what to do and in a moment of panic she asks the dark thing what it wants for information in exchange for quote freeing him uh, right she's like tell thing. me about the red queen and i'll set you free yeah basically. so she uses her sapphires to somehow basically forgive him that's that's how she sets him free i guess mm-hmm. a, someone of tear blood needs to uh forgive him he tells her that the queen just will will retreat will do pretty much anything that she wants if she gives her her sapphires right he's so, like she really wants those Kelsey makes the de- yeah Kelsey makes the decision to do that and she uh, I think kind of breaks the ground behind her preventing any of her guards or anyone from following her and she yeah. goes to meet the Red Queen so I think it, in the end you know there's a lot of emergence of the Queen of Spades this sort of really brutal version of Kelsey yeah that she she wars with and I think this at the end is supposed to be a little bit of a redemptive act that redeems her previous actions mm-hmm. a little bit um it's very selfless and she also doesn't yeah. tell her guard that this is her plan so mm-hmm. she breaks the bridge and leaves them all behind and goes by herself and then she basically says to the queen i'll give you the sapphires if you leave us alone yep so she makes the exchange takes the sapphires off which that's a big thing sort of throughout the books which we didn't really mention that people will i guess get injured or there's some for some reason again loose magic people can't take the sapphires off of you unless you give them to them yeah uh, right so she willingly takes them off and gives them to the queen the red queen seemingly can't use them and she decides to take kelsey back to mortmain with her and that's where the second book ends so lots so of that's the second book yeah that is the second book and 
Now onto the third book where it all gets a little <laughs> off the rails. I think uh, I think I told you this, but I actually like the third book more than the second book for some reason, even though it's so wild. The second book, I I think at times is a little bit boring. Yeah, it, it just is like kind of slow sometimes. I don't really think that much is happening. And I think it's also the most violent one. And so it in is. that sense, it's kind of disturbing. It's very violent. There are very yeah. disturbing parts that we didn't even like mention specifically. Lots of just kind of really intense violence, sexual and otherwise. And yeah. there is, I, yeah, I think sort of what you said, I think the flashbacks are almost the most interesting part. And then we sort of get jumped back to just a lot of, I don't know, I, I guess sort of political slash internal struggles that Kelsey's dealing with that don't mm-hmm. always feel or didn't feel at least to me like they were advancing the overall story that much all the time um yeah wait okay I kind of I have a question now yeah. that we've talked about this for a while so who okay so we learned that William Tier went to the the like the attempt at the new world and mm-hmm. then he's kind of like in charge Mm-hmm. who are the rallies and like how did they come into power do you know it's oh, like rallies. very confusing oh i always to me. pronounced it Rayleigh. is it yeah i have no idea I have how no it's idea. pronounced um the Rayleys or the rallies yeah. are like another ruling family and his last name is Rayleigh. exactly so it's like this idea that they were the tears who ruled and now we have the Rayleys, and i don't understand how that shift <laughs> like who the, who are they who are the rallies the i rallies? think it's explained at some point that they i don't i don't quite remember i think at some it is explained briefly at some point in the book mm-hmm. but i think basically it just sort of says that they like emerged to take power at some point okay so they're kind um, of like a use like a usurper type family right but then that's a little bit interesting because somehow kelsey is still related to the tears well, I don't think anyone knows that. Like, I think I think we learned that in the third book, but I think that people oh, thought because that she you're was right, pure because rally. None of the okay, and we'll we'll get into that in the third one in yeah. terms of like how things transitions are of wild. power and things. Yeah. Like that. So <laughs> this book gets a little off the rails, and I agree. I think this book is more of like a page turner than the second one. Mm-hmm. I think that the issue that a lot of people who were really big fans of the first and even the second book. I think the issue that a lot of people have with this one is that it does feel like <laughs> like the author wrote herself into a bit of a corner with yeah. the first two books. Like she didn't really know where she was going. There were a lot of sort of tracks that were laid down that I feel like she couldn't finish all coherently. For mm-hmm. instance, throughout the first and second book, there is so much sort of dropped here and there that everyone's really interested in who Kelsey's father is. That's something we don't know. And it's mm-hmm. sort of made to seem like this is a really big thing that, that that's gonna... like for the plot, potentially that it might have something to do with the right. resolution I mean, of the, the way story. people talk about this again, it's like game of Thrones. It's like, yeah. who's Jon Snow's parents, you know, it's kind of right. it seems like it's going to be this huge reveal and it's going to tell us something um so she sort of has that information loose we still don't know a lot about the crystals we still don't know a lot about how again yeah how the tearling started how it got to where it was we don't know who the fetch is we don't know who the dark thing is we you know don't still don't entirely know what's up with the red oh actually i think we do know what's up with the red queen at the very end of the second yeah we we learned her backstory because 
Kelsey also with her magic is able to read minds, I guess. So she basically yes. kind of goes into, <laughs> she goes into the red queen's mind when they're having a confrontation at the end. And she realizes that she was kind of this abandoned child and she has abandonment issues. And that's essentially why she's so evil. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> and I think they're related. Yes. She's also a, she's so like a distant cousin of Kelsey's. She she's was also a rally or a rally. <laughs> Right. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe our devoted listeners can tell us how would you pronounce R A L E I G H? I would say Rayleigh because you know there's versions of Haley that are spelled H A L E I G H. Oh, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. It's not Rayleigh. how I spell my name. Yeah, that's a pretty people do wild way to spell Haley. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, yeah. I think it's Rayleigh, but <laughs> yeah, no, I the that makes sense, the Haley Rayleigh thing. Uh, yeah. So Anyway, back to book three, I guess. Yeah, so <laughs> I, she just, plot. she lays out a lot. There's a lot, and also there's a lot of good characters. There's a lot of bad, there's, you know, the the churches, they're not the church, I guess the the Holy Father, he's like a villain. Um, Arlen Thorne's lady, who's very, very mad at Kelsey for murdering him or executing him. Yeah. Uh, she's sort of a villain. The Red Queen's a villain. The Dark Thing. There's like also just so many forces going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so the third book tries to tackle all of it. Yeah. Does it do it successfully? You might just have to read <laughs> and form your opinion to find out. Yeah. Uh, I still think it's, I, if you like the first book, I think it's worth reading all of them. I just think it's- get, I mean, if I had to make an overall recommendation, I would- either just recommend the first book or all Mm -hmm. three i don't really see a big point to reading the second one if you're not gonna just finish it off yeah and i also think that the third book you might be very disappointed with the very ending yeah like i would almost say it's worth reading all of them except for like the last chapter the last true just imagine your own ending but this yeah so let's get let's yeah let's get into it we get into it so okay so kelsey's in custody of the red queen um (laughs) yes while she's there, the mace, her right-hand man bodyguard guy, is left in charge of the tierling, basically as regent. And he's been charged with, I don't know, enforcing laws, clearing out sort of the creech, which is this really bad place where, I don't know, murderers and there's children fighting and sex rings and all this, yeah. like drug it's... trade, lots of bad stuff. Yeah. Um, so he's in charge of like clearing that out. Meanwhile, Kelsey's basically a prisoner. I mean, she stays in a prison cell, but the Red Queen and her sort of, I wouldn't say they develop a friendship because Kelsey never trusts her, but they do have just sort of mm-hmm. mm, calm conversations about the jewels and their power and where they might have come from, what they do. They talk about their visions. Uh, Kelsey shares that she has visions of the past. And a big thing that starts to happen here is we get a whole new set of past visions. So now Kelsey sees even farther, actually, no, it's not quite as far back to this girl, Katie, who's pretty young. And we find out that she is among the first generation of children to be born after the crossing. And so she's sort of in the, the very beginning of the tierling mm-hmm. uh and so they are sort of talking about that so that's that's an overarching thing that's happening yeah um, and, and information about that yeah and we realize that her best friend growing up in this town was Rofin, who we now know is this evil thing that kelsey mm-hmm. released uh like we know that that's his name 
And so we realized that she was like childhood best friends with him. And he was kind of always a little bit evil and kind of dabbling in dark magic and stuff like that. He always seemed, but he was very charming, very handsome, Mm -hmm. very popular with the ladies, had kind of a crazy mother. Um, I think that, and we also learned that the fetch through these visions was also just a regular kid named Gavin. Mm -hmm. Um, So we learned those two things that these sort of mystical like men are were once sort of normal boys and we meet them when they were very young and sort of get to look at their friendship that part I actually think is very interesting like I remember the first time I read this I was really I thought that was really cool kind of the twist to learn about them when they were just young kids and this like first generation of people living in the tierling I just thought that was kind of a cool little backstory moment Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah I agree so they start talking about that as this is going on uh right rofin's been freed and we basically find out that these little demon children which we can assume are the children maybe that he sucks dry and then i don't know oh my god i never even thought about that brings he, life back into them that part again it's never explained how yeah. he like reanimates these <laughs> dead children he has an army of like evil children with really sharp teeth and they sound terrifying honestly like yeah. they're kind of spidery so they chase they, they climb up walls and stuff like that and they like chase after you kind of cackling and then they basically kill you and yeah, i mean they're super it's strong not nice it's not yeah nice. they're really strong yeah it's a huge it's a huge bummer so that's sort of happening while kelsey is just sitting there in custody uh they're mm-hmm. sort of popping up everywhere children are disappearing all that good stuff so yeah. I guess maybe first we'll just get into, I feel like nothing that happens in terms of like in the present is honestly that. Yeah. It's kind of the past stuff. That's really past stuff. I think the only thing that's, that's to note is throughout the three books, the crown, the crown of the tierling has been missing. Apparently it has more sapphires in it. And Which we haven't um, even heard about this crown. And then it kind of becomes like a big just thing. Becomes in the big third thing book. Yeah. yeah. That it's so missing. And yeah. the priest father, Tyler finds the crown uh, and runs and hides with it. So we know that that's happening. But yeah, so in the past, we know that Katie and Ro are really good friends when they're really young. When they get a little bit older, William Tears kind of like, oh, something bad's going to happen. I need to assemble this squad of basically teenagers, right? Yes, exactly. He's like, the town is being threatened, and I am going to assemble all of the youngins in town to basically... Again, yeah. look after my son, and we're supposed to be in this kind of egalitarian society. Right. But I guess they do talk about this. It's not like it's not acknowledged, but it is the underlying tension in the town basically is that it's supposed to be this kind of utopia, but the tears are really a notch above everyone else. I think they sort of all went too hard with the utopian mindset at first. I think I think that was, or at least that's what I read into it, was basically that yeah. they all were like this is a utopia so we need to be happy and like happy helping neighbors all the time so therefore even when they felt sort of negative emotions or weren't feeling great they sort of repressed them Mm -hmm. and didn't express them to each other I think that ended up causing a lot of pent-up resentment between between neighbors between people in the town uh caused a lot of a little bit of suspicion in terms of people noticing that other people seemed really fake and not liking that even though they were all kind of being fake. Mm -hmm. Um, And also there's kind of favoritism going on because some of the people in the town have magic and some don't, Um, which is again, not really explained, but basically there's when, I guess it's a little bit explained, but when the crossing happened, because it was all of this magic with the sapphires, some of the people kind of 
absorbed some of that magic as they did the crossing. <laughs> yeah, they basically say that the the like first, the very, very first crossing babies just I think it was anyone that maybe was pregnant during the crossing. Yeah, like those immediately babies immediately after. Yeah. They were they just all have a, a bit of magic. Yeah, like, they, they just came out very magical, but it's all see different. in the dark or hear really quiet things or you know things like I think that's Gavin's that's the fetches thing he can just see in the dark yeah it's very kind of sky high because you know how it's in sky high sky they high. all have these different kind of random gifts oh man it's kind of I like that. sky high yeah so do I it's a good movie oh, have you great... watched um succession at all no but because I... a character from sky high is in that oh Okay, I gotta do that. We actually, that's on our list. That's on our list. Of shows it's good. Watch. It's good. Oh, you're right. It is like sky. <laughs> it, it, it really is. When I was reading about all these kids and their powers, I was like, it's literally sky high. And which then the came ones that sort of ago. like have, seem to have useful powers and different things. They get like selective for this forest to protect Jonathan, who's mm-hmm. also kind of special because he can use the crystal and all these things. He so can Katie's, see the future. He has visions and yeah. yeah. And I think Katie's not sure how she feels about sort of anything, but she's wants things to be good and she wants to help the tears because she thinks that overall they're good and they don't want all this attention and sort of Mm -hmm. elitism that they're just getting which I do think to a degree that's true but also William Tear established like he's the reason that was established initially and now he sort of regrets having established that Mm -hmm. and having that be thrust upon his son also Jonathan is Lily so Lily and William Tear are now married and Jonathan is their kid so yeah so they sort of go through they learn skills they learn how to and this is the reason it's sort of so taboo and secret is because they're learning how to defend themselves physically but sort of all weapons and violence and anything like that are banned in the tierling is it called the tierling at that point i think it no i think it's just called the town she always calls it the town the town it's like you couldn't even have come up with a name (laughs) (laughs) so yeah she just calls it the town it's banned in their town and so as they get older, Kelsey develops a friendship with Jonathan and she distanced herself. Or from... Katie. Oh, what did I say? Kelsey? Oh, yeah. Katie. Yeah, it's kind of confusing. <laughs> yeah. Katie builds a friendship with Jonathan. She used to be really close to Roe and always thought he was kind of hot. Um, and but their friendship sort of falls apart because she starts to not trust him. She knows that he's very jealous of the tears yeah. jealous of their sapphire is maybe playing with that or is interested in the crown i think that's the point we learn that the crown is made or a crown is made yeah and and he's the one who makes it Ro and he shows it, it right? yeah ro makes it and he shows it to katie and she's like this seems kind of like questionable like interesting like why are you making this and then she they head out of the little cabin where he showed her the crown and then that's kind of the first time we realized that Roe has been dabbling in like evil magic because she gets chased by some sort of scary figure and she doesn't know what it is and she's like and also like graves are being dug Mm -hmm. up and so we kind of realize there's a connection between the kids missing like in the modern Kelsey story and then the kids missing in the the historical story because basically both times it's Roe doing his necromancy essentially I don't even know digging up graves and he like works in the he's a really talented i guess his trick oh his magic is like fire he's really good with fire or something and that's why Um, i went before he was freed he could only show up in fireplaces yeah yeah and he's he when he was a regular man he worked in the like welding shop or Mm -hmm. something workshop something like that so time goes on she becomes jonathan's close guard and the town starts to fall apart a little bit there's a lot of distrust a church gets erected and so organized religion sort of 
gets its start, even though I think theoretically they didn't want organized religion to be a part of their utopia because some huge corruption had happened within whatever religion was predominant in Mm -hmm. pre-crossing America. I think William Tier says, I don't want there to be religion, but I'm not going to tell people they can't do it because that's not really the point of our whole experiment here. So yeah. But then just a couple people start taking it pretty far. Um, They erect a church, but particularly Roe. And maybe this is part of why people think it is a little bit um, (laughs) anti-religion or organized religion too, is that there's very much the air of these people that would like that are religious or become religious throughout what we're learning about are very mm, easily manipulated yeah they're kind of like dumb and fanatic and that's yeah how they're like painted. all of yeah. them are immediately yeah. dumb and fanatic and i think they're very much painted as that which i don't think that would actually be the case the case case in real life it is very extreme I mean it's just within a couple years Mm -hmm. not even 10 years I don't think that it went from no religion existing in the town to Roe Finn becoming this sort of Manson-esque yes preacher man yeah um and everyone just following him and 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 a lot of yeah, just sort of dissent in the town and people are not happy with tears William Tear dies at some point he tries to go back in time um, to save Lily because she's dying because mm-hmm. of a pregnancy that just isn't going well. So Lily passes away, Jonathan passes away and, or not Jonathan, William passes away. And mm-hmm. then it's just Jonathan left. And then everything kind of starts to go to crap. Although right before that, Katie and Rofin like have sex very randomly. Yeah. They hook up. I think that that's also a little bit, that surprised me a little bit that like a woman wrote that oh yeah that that scene (laughs) that scene is like really wild because he roe is basically he's kind of he's very like forceful with her kind of like rapey once again and it just it's like written as if she was like really into it and it's kind of just like yeah it's like a little bit i mean they're just in the woods outside and they make it sound like they you know maybe they were kissing for like two seconds and then they just start having very intense sex and she is like overcome with pleasure by it and i'm yeah. like this is not accurate like this would not happen yeah um no, definitely so, because i think a lot of times in the ways that sex is written in fantasy fiction is like very kind of hit or miss in terms mm-hmm. of like how much respect towards women is written into the scenes and mm-hmm. how uh i suppose that gets into a little bit like if you were to compare it I think the running joke, right? A lot of porn directed by men is just absolutely ridiculous and makes no sense in terms of like right. what like, it's always what, like a woman gazy. would enjoy. Um, yeah, and very male gazy. So I thought a lot of the or just the the sex that was sort of included there was very <laughs> sort of male male gazy. Uh, yeah, no, definitely, definitely. I agree. No, for sure. Like After reading having, that scene the second time, I was like, oh my god. So strange. Yeah. But as they're hooking up, it's kind of a big mistake on Katie's part because Roe essentially distracted her so that Jonathan and his guard could be attacked. Yeah. And so his guard is killed and Jonathan and also Kelsey are taken into custody. But importantly, before this happened, um, wait, Jonathan and Katie. It's like so easy to say. I know, Kelsey. The case. Um, Katie has stolen and hidden the crown and so roe really yeah. wants to know where the crown is she found the crown found that it had sapphires in it which surprised her because she didn't know that i guess roe had found some and set them in there and and roe i think his whole obsession was that he at some point like had been able to take a look at 
the tears sapphire and found that he could kind of use it that like he had visions um we found out at some point the reason for that is because rofin is sort of a <laughs> bastard child i guess of, of william tear <laughs> of, of william tear yeah um, which is why he feels so scorned feels very like jilted mm-hmm. in the situation yeah um and feels like Jonathan always got the special treatment that he didn't get he just wanted to be special but he's kind of just super evil and so Katie and Jonathan get taken into custody and so everything looks like it's going bad right and what we know back in the present Kelsey hears from the fetch that you know she sort of tells him I've seen everything I know who you are I know what you guys have tried to do what did you actually do and he Mm -hmm. says we killed Jonathan and Katie somehow cursed us and ran away with the crown. Yeah. And then Rofin and I started to sort of degrade and we were cursed. And then the tearling sort of started as it is now. She, like she ran away, hid the crown, and it sort of just continued at some point. The Rayleighs came to power. So Kelsey finds that out. At some point, she and the Red Queen, they were hanging out in <laughs> Mortmain. Yeah. Uh, demon children are getting out of hand and started following you know really coming after the red queen she grabs kelsey they flee and along their flight home they meet up with the guards again this is another incredibly random thing Mm -hmm. we find out that kelsey's mother did not in fact die <laughs> she's been alive this she's whole been time alive the she's whole been sewing time. dresses she's for the tearling seamstress hiding in <laughs> yeah. this house and it's super weird it's such an unnecessary twist because like we were talking about how it's a it's it is a twist but it's not a twist that adds anything to the story like it doesn't really make mm-hmm. any difference whether or not her mom's alive and it kind of just seems um unnecessary it's you know? so weird. It makes yeah. no sense. Her mother tells her that Mern or Mahern, whatever his name was, the guard that she that was addicted to heroin that she executed in the first book was her father. So that's also very confusing because who her father was was such a big question in the first and second book. Like so many people wanted to know. And it's just this guard who and I was also confused because I thought I thought her mother and Mern were blonde. So I'm very confused about how Kelsey looks because she has dark hair. Genetically, that makes no sense. (laughs) Isn't blonde a recessive gene? Yeah. So if you have two blonde people. Does that mean they both need to have like the the double blonde recessive? I'm trying to think back to my biology class. Mm, I think if you both have the recessive trait, your child will have that. Gotcha. Yeah. Great. I think maybe I'm wrong. I should. No, no. I mean, I really believe you. I work in I'm science. Like, so yeah. Haley works in science. I work, I work in science. You do, like, though. The vaguest thing to say. That's will. I'm going to Google it. Two Trying blonde think... parents make a blonde baby. Two blonde uh, parents make a blonde baby. Although I guess it just says there's a whole there's a whole chart of like hair colors. But I'm not positive. Oh, okay. So I guess most likely is blonde, but it is possible to have brown or red hair. Okay. Now we know. I guess, although this figure looks very slapped together. So I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Do we trust the source? But anyway, so her father's just Mern, which doesn't seem to add, that gives us no information. Like that helps us in no way. Yeah. And so 
she gets that information. She has the information about what happened in the past. And she's kind of like, all right, now I need to go do something because all these demon children are on their way to take over my kingdom. She basically realizes like, I need to go into the past and fix what happened with Jonathan and make it so that there isn't this bloody kind of murder situation where somewhere along the way she somehow like realized that she can actually physically time travel yeah so she sort of decides to do that they have this very very dramatic quick ride back to the keep with the demon children running behind them and kelsey sort of burning everything to the ground and this is where it feels like she really wrote herself into a corner because we had all these conflicts along their journey the red queen just kind of died yeah the red queen dies it's honestly so much to get into yeah it's too much it's too much to get into that's not really relevant like she just dies in this kind of conflict that we knew that was coming but it wasn't really not exciting not exciting not necessary um so the red queen dies as they're going back she just kelsey with her powers just breaks the ground and crushes the creech that she was trying to clear out um she just sets the entire arvath on fire which is the religious uh, which is the whole religious part of her sort of nemesis i guess and Mm -hmm. then runs into the the keep the demon children are coming they're trying to hold everything back she sort of gets locked in her throne room or some room wherever they are yeah she puts the crown on her head everything sort of slows down she can see the demon children coming towards them um and decides that you know then then they're again the scene where i don't understand this she, she basically I, like it reminds me of like avatar the last airbender it's like this yes. whole thing of we can talk to the previous like tears you know yes, sort of the, business and i'm like this has never happened once in this whole series like why are we doing this now she she basically speaks to jonathan no not to jonathan to, to william, uh, william tear yeah she talks she talks to william tear and he's like i'd always come and like talk to my forebears here yeah. and she's like okay i guess i'm doing that too and she basically she's just like having a conversation with him and he's like showing her the events of the past and he's like mm-hmm. you can pick one moment where you can change something and see what the ripple effects of that will be And she decides and she picks a moment. And basically the moment is where like Jonathan and Katie and Roe and Gavin, who is the fetch are all in the same room. And basically Kelsey embodies kind of possesses Katie and she murders Jonathan Tear. And I think the reason for that is kind of like this world can never flourish if we have someone here who people are kind of threatened by and like intimidated by. So she kills Jonathan Tear and then everyone is like really freaked out everyone's oh, like oh we my forgot god to oh my mention god. that we forgot to mention that while she was in the holding cell with jonathan tear they also have sex yes which right. again why it's relevant i don't really know like i don't know what where her having sex with both of these men comes in to the story other than that maybe yeah. Kelsey would wonder whether or not she was related like to Rofin or Jonathan I don't know right but but it's never like explained so it's right. kind of like what's what's the point of that but like basically mm. she ends up killing she kills Jonathan and then that changes the whole trajectory of the tierling yeah she kills Jonathan and she kills Rofin so that yeah. he never comes to power and then she sort of the other men that were involved in the conspiracy one of which being gavin the fetch, yeah. um and a couple other guys she's like you sons of bitches are gonna help me make everything right we're right. gonna like build this the right way and they're kind of like crap okay because and i thought this was weird too 
she didn't just like possess Katie. She like climbed out of her mouth. It's so weird. Yeah, she, yeah, she climbed out of her mouth, and that's why and everyone was the so shit freaked out of everybody. Yeah, everyone was like, "Oh my god!" Which it was, I know, I was like, "Was that necessary too?" That was just confusing. Yeah, um, and so yeah, she kills them, and then Kelsey sort of I don't know somehow steps out of the past or something back yeah. into the future wakes up in a normal house in a normal town and it's basically a it's as um, if nothing ever happened nothing ever (laughs) happened nothing in the whole first two books ever happened and that's exactly what it is it's like one more chapter that we get of her walking around trying to find people she and this is where again it's going to be very frustrating to anyone who if anyone reads this book and is like very into science or anything like that this is just going to make you angry because (laughs) Because they even mention the butterfly effect. Like, they drop that name in these books. And then, I mean, we're talking hundreds of years later, and Kelsey's still alive. Her mother is still the same person that she is. And Kelsey's kind of like, oh, I wonder if all my guards are still alive. Or I guess maybe some of them wouldn't have been born. And I'm like, none of them would have been born. (laughs) Like, everything would have been different. And also, like, her guards have similar jobs. Like, the mace is like a cop or yeah. something he's like a policeman yeah father tyler's still a priest like, yeah it's right so right yeah strange so everyone is everyone's still there they just mm-hmm. no one remembers every anything so i'm like this completely ignores the butter i mean if we're talking real butterfly effect even if all the same people somehow still partnered up which there's no way i mean her mother only got with Mern because he was her personal guard when she was the queen which yeah never happened but even if all these people still got together we're talking about it would have to be the exact same egg and the exact same sperm at the exact same moment in time. Like it would, it, everything would have to be so, there's no way. So that made me a little bit angry where I'm like, this is, this is ignoring that, which I would have been and, fine if you had just ignored that. But they but mentioned they mention it. it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's crazy. why it's kind of funny. Yeah. yeah. But it's, so like Kelsey wakes up in this world and it's it's pretty it's a sad ending honestly because the world everyone is kind of happier and it's a better town but no one remembers her or like who she is so she's kind of alone there's like a grief that she has to deal with that she's not really sure how to deal with because she can't and she looks like herself again too yes Um, she looks like Kelsey but she's not like Lily grieving all the relationships maybe even a little bit that no one knows that she saved everyone and everything Mm -hmm. and 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 then I think that's it. She works in a bookshop. Then she moves into a new apartment and goes that's... about her life. And that's it. And that's the series. <laughs> that's how the series ends. And honestly, yeah. yeah, the third book, it's kind of hard to talk about because there's just so many, there's so, there's so many moving parts. If that seemed disjointed, that summary, it's because <laughs> the book is wild. Yeah, there's there's now, so much happening. I think we did a good job. I think we did a good job. Okay. Um, there's a lot to unpack there. Like yeah. there's a lot going on. Wait, Haley, I wrote some rapid fire questions for you oh i'm ready but i'm gonna have you answer so number one hit me who is your favorite character uh mace oh okay that's a good answer um what would you rank this series out of 10 (laughs) seven okay yeah that's that's pretty good i think which is still pretty i know it's high but i I love the first book i think the first book is so well done and i guess i mean i would give the first book like an eight i would give the second book like a seven maybe and then i would give the third book like a actually maybe i give the second book like a six and the third book a like a 
six also i don't know two sixes yeah no i think i think a seven a seven is fair but that's also one of the nice things about going revisiting these kinds of books because when i read these books the first time i don't think i had so much kind of like analysis of it and i was just kind of i think we both had read less fantasy fiction at that point too i mean in terms of like page turningness and enjoyability and stuff you know definitely a seven in terms of how well the lore is developed and how (laughs) sort of satisfying the ending of the entire thing is i would give it like a four but Mm -hmm. yeah i still think it's enjoyable it's just like a sad ending it's like you know how there's this theory with harry potter that the whole thing was a dream it's kind of like that it's like nothing that nothing that happened that in the book theory? really matters. I've never heard of that. Yeah, it's like a theory that he's been in his cupboard this whole time and everything was just like his imagination, which I don't think is, I mean, it doesn't really matter, sad. but yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> um, but okay. yeah, nice. it, it's just kind of, but yeah, those are my rapid fire. Those were your two rapid <laughs> I think that like the problem is I already asked you some rapid fire made me think it was gonna be this like okay super long list do you want okay I'm trying to do rapid fire questions too who's your least favorite character um honestly probably Brenna oh yeah Brenna is like this witchy kind of woman I think they made her very I think they sexualized her in a very strange way yeah and her magic was horribly explained yeah and i thought she was just an odd like add-in um mm-hmm. okay wait who's your least favorite character probably um oh my god that's kind of a good i oh my god i'm not good at rapid <laughs> fire questions i'm like thinking <laughs> about it um i don't like kind of the oh okay someone i don't really like is what's his name javel oh yeah javel javel something like that because I did kind of like yeah. that one scene in the third book. We didn't get into this because it's like a side plot. He's a side but, plot, yeah, side character. But he's someone who's, um, when Kelsey is being held in custody in Mort, Maine, he's one of the people who's sent to try to rescue her. And yeah. his his wife was taken a long time ago in the shipment. And mm-hmm. so he's trying to find her. And he basically finds out that she's like, she's like a sex worker. I think she's like I guess. an escort kind of. Yeah, and it's kind of badass because he's like, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm here to save you. And she's like, I'm actually kind of fine. And because yeah. she's, she has like money, she has security and she's basically she like, I'm care for exactly. And she's like, I'm fine. And you didn't come this whole time. So I'm not going to just like run away with you now. And then he's yeah. kind of like, that also never gets resolved. He's just kind of like, look, yeah, pretty much. He just but like, I goes, that gets scene. drunk and, and stuff, but yeah, yeah, that's true. No, yeah. what would you, what would you rate it out of 10? Um, I think also a seven, maybe like a seven and a half. I think in okay. terms of, I think I'm between like, like initially I wanted to rate it higher, but now that I'm like really thinking about all the other series that I've read, I maybe would go a little bit lower and do like a six. And yeah. A seven. And I think you've also read more fantasy series than me. Cause actually mm-hmm. I've read more, I think I read more kind of like in my, when I was younger, like more like YA type series. Oh, gotcha. Um, okay. So I'm excited to explore this world. Oh, nice. Love that. Yeah. I would, Definitely recommend the series overall, particularly yeah. to anyone who's looking for some, like an easy read that's exciting. And that now that you know everything that happens, yeah. Now that you've now that you've heard us tell you, <laughs> give you all the spoilers. Yeah. Um, but priority would be the first book. Mm-hmm. It's very good, um, very entertaining. Mm-hmm. And then the second and the third, that's up to you. How frustrated 
do you want to be? <laughs> yeah, no, for no, but actually, uh, yeah. but I enjoyed rereading it. I also like talking about it. I think there's a lot to talk about. There's and, a lot to unpack yeah. as well as how they present characters. I like, I think they present overall very, there's not that many female characters, but I think that they're all very, very strong characters. They're, they're, that... they're definitely like the center of the story. Like yes, none, of the, the, none of the, of the women characters are peripheral. And I feel like yeah. most of the men characters are, which is kind are. of nice. Like it does feel mm-hmm. like a very like woman centered story. Yeah, which I yeah. like that. And they're all very strong in their convictions, even though a lot of their convictions sort of clash with each other. Mm-hmm. And most of them just get stuff done. Which... They get it done. I'd say the majority of them are like, they're underestimated, but very almost like overly competent when they're trying to get get things done so that's a sad thing about the end also because kelsey has basically saved everyone because the Mm -hmm. whole the whole kingdom was collapsing but no one knows you know so true she's like how about a little bit of appreciation here (laughs) yes how about a little recognition Um, yeah but i hope that you all enjoyed listening for the next episode we're gonna talk about the shadow of what was lost by james eilington I think so. And that's the first book in a trilogy. And I've never read this before. Like I know nothing about it. Um, so we're kind of just trying something new. I think the podcast might be kind of a, a mix. I think it will be like a mix of new things and then also revisiting. Yeah, we both um, haven't read this books. one, but it comes yeah. very, very highly recommended to me mm-hmm. uh, by my boyfriend who I think has read probably more fantasy fiction than either of us combined. Um, and he was <laughs> like, this is good. Yeah, he. I had asked him if there were because I, I was reading some other ones that I really liked but again we're, we're looking for books that we want to discuss how female characters are presented mm-hmm. in this world um and the themes and struggles and things that they encounter so I made sure that there were some strong ladies in that in the book so yeah. he, he assured me that I will that we'll love it so yeah we'll, that's we'll great. have to see I know and if there, he's wrong we'll be like nice wreck not we can, no, yeah i'm sure it'll be fine we can have him on as a guest and just <laughs> oh my god yeah absolutely that would be so funny wreck his opinion yeah it would it would be fun maybe to have guests for people who have read the book i thought that it would be really funny and fun to have our moms on as guests oh my god that would be so fun because yeah, they're in a well i don't know if they meet so often but they're in a book club they are in a book club but also yeah. my mom's really really into arthurian legend so. right because she we wanted definitely. to read the Miss of Avalon, I think. Oh, we've, I've, we've got to cover yeah, that. Because yeah. I've never read the whole thing and I, I really want to read it. So maybe that can be like sometime soon. We've, yeah, we should add. That one's like top tier in yeah. terms of female centered like story. Right. All definitely. right. I think, uh, thanks to our millions of listeners once again. <laughs> Thank you all. <laughs> this will be posted wherever you get your podcast. Just get, it'll probably just be on Spotify. Will it? Yeah, I know. I'm <laughs> like, it'll just be on Spotify. <laughs> um uh, so not until we're rich yeah. and famous well i know posted everywhere anywhere so. where you can get it <laughs> um yeah but thank you all for listening and i hope that you all enjoy the rest of your day see you next time <laughs> bye They once misspelled my name in the yearbook in like a feature page like that. Isn't that crazy? Was it when I was the editor? (laughs) No.
I remember there was like so many mistakes when we when like I published the yearbook and there was like a big hullabaloo in school really? because didn't you guys only do it senior year or was that um I did a junior and senior year but uh... I think senior year I was more like we were more involved and basically some of the people's senior bios were misprinted oh, and okay. people were like really kind of really? angry about it and I remember oh. people were posting in our I don't you don't remember this like people were posting in our senior class like hashtag yearbook fail it was like really <gasps> sad Doris, yeah no. I know I know it was really sad and I remember that we had to That's like horrible. we had to go in front of the school and do something like sell try to sell the yearbook and I remember like my friend and I like to- like Tori we were like are we gonna be booed oh no <laughs> you and Tori thought you're gonna be booed but we didn't get booed but no. it was in the moment it I, was very dramatic yeah I think mine was missed all I had to been like freshman or sophomore it was whatever year that they did the remember they did that like seeing double like page spread that they made all of the twins and triplets in the school <laughs> go no, into an atrium and they so took funny. and they took a picture of all of us and I was like it was so, so funny it was so weird why was that it was like you're a twin you're gonna be herded in here and yeah it literally was like all you. twins and triplets please come to this atrium and so we just showed up and they just made us all and what I if mean, you didn't even, go like would there have been any sort of like a repercussion probably not I don't think they would have known there were a crazy I think it was be- they only did it because there were like a crazy amount of twins and triplets in the school at that time for some reason they were like and a lot named Haley there were a lot of yeah. twins named Haley at least yeah. three of us I think 